American Timelines is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com. So now I'm obsessed with time. Come on, tell me about the time. Had it all in my head tonight. Had the time of my life. When the words all come down, like blues on Tuesdays come down. Throw it all away. Welcome to another episode of. American Timelines by History for Jerks. This is episode 160, and my name is Joe, and right next to me is a beautiful young lady, a beautiful blonde bombshell named Amy. Hello, everybody. We started? Yeah, and we're back. Oh, yes. We needed a week off, so that's all right. Yeah, we could have used two weeks off. And we got to hear about Jeffrey Dahmer again. Yeah, we just, you know. That's one of my faves. Well, that was just a thing I've wanted to do. That was the story that um, got me into true crime really hardcore. Really? Because I was in high school. And I, I was a senior in high school, so I think. So you've been into true crime since high school? Yeah. yeah. Wow. But I was like a senior in high school, Long and I heard about ago. it, and I just couldn't believe. I was just fascinated. Wow. So, yeah. So you've been, you're an old school t- crime head. Yes. But it's not time to talk about that. It's time to talk about the Time Heads. Thank you, Time Heads, for coming back. Thanks for your patience and letting us take a break. Uh, things are getting busy for us and hard to do, even though Amy's off because she's a teacher and doing nothing. That's uh, so not true. No, it's almost it's almost like you're doing more. I know. Anyway, we're in transition. You know, it's hard to get back into the schedule of things. Like, what's going on? We're still coming out of this pandemic. Anyway, enough excuses. We're back with another episode. We're jumping into 1953. We don't have yes. a guest this week. Uh, we actually don't have any scheduled for the foreseeable future. It's just, again, it's a lot of work to Okay, nobody needs to care. Nobody cares. One. So we might just take a break from guests for a little while. And the be- bottom line is we can do whatever we want. That's right. Okay, let's get started. Stone Cold said so. Bottom line. All right. We're going to talk about. the bottom line. All right. We're talking about Stone 1953. So. And we're diving in because yeah. this is a new year. And as we do. As we do with New Year's, we got a bunch of shit. I got a bunch of shit up top Okay, that doesn't have dates, and I'm going to burn through them fast. All right, let's hear it. The first thing is that Soviet scientists first observed in 1953 yeah. that unpeeling a roll of scotch tape produces x-rays. How? If you unroll scotch tape in a vacuum... It produces x-rays somehow. I don't understand how. Okay. I read up on it. I don't understand it, but it That does. just blew my mind, so let's yeah, move on. they discovered that in 1953. Okay. Uh, but don't worry at home. You don't have to be afraid to unroll scotch tape when you're wrapping your Christmas presents. Yeah. Because it only happens if it's in a vacuum. Just don't wrap presents in a vacuum. You'll be good. Yep. Also, some uh, advertisements. Okay. Advertisements in 1953. Uh, some jingles. You'll wonder where the yellow went when you brush your teeth with Pepsodent. Gross. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that gross? Wow. Is, everyone's teeth were bright yellow until 1950. Probably. Uh, so, yeah, Pepsodent toothpaste came out. Okay. The Copper Tone Girl was introduced. Oh, yeah. To the American public in 1953. Probably the most famous butt crack of all time. Right. According to popculture.us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colgate Palmolive Pete. Became just Colgate Palmolive. They dropped the Pete. 
It was peat on it? It was Colgate Palm Olive Peat, P-E-E-T. And Colgate. P-E-E-T. But Colgate and Palm Olive are two different things. One is a dish soap and one is a toothpaste. Yeah, but the brand is Colgate Palm Olive. And I oh, think, it is. I yeah, didn't know I think that. probably Colgate Palm Olive made both things. I, I would say. But now they're just, they've become separate. Okay. I think. I don't know. I wasn't around then. I'm guessing. Uh, if you're around the 50s and you remember, just give us the background on Colgate Palm Olive. Oh, we're interested. Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. Wow. That's from 1953. It's that old. Yeah, I'm surprised, too. I thought that was like a 90s or yeah, 80s thing. that's what I thought. But no, the Almond Joy's got nuts. Mounds don't. They're that old. That shitty candy was around then. Yeah. Coconut. Uh, you got to be a coconut fan to like those. Yeah, I like coconut. I do. And, I, you know. Almond Joys are pretty good. Almond Joys and Mounds aren't bad, I don't think. Mounds, I'm not that crazy about. It just doesn't have almonds. It's the only difference, right? Right. It's probably great. It's just when you're thinking of a candy bar and you get to choose as a kid, like any candy bar you want. Yeah, like, you're not going to pick one of those gonna two. I'm not going to fuck with that if that's all I can get. But what if that's around. When I was a kid, I always went to Reese's every single time. Did you? Never astray. Maybe a Butterfinger here and there, but always Reese's. Was I was always I was big in the bubble gum. I was in like bubble yum and bubblicious. I you couldn't get enough bubble gum. You were the gum. person we would punch. Like, yep. You're the dumb kid that bought bubble gum. Like bubble gum? Why would you buy bubble gum, you stupid idiot? You hey, those bu- bubble yum and bubblelicious. Yeah, they were, were delicious, but you can delicious get, it was kind of counted separately. Like you can have gum anytime. Like you can always get bubble gum. But okay. when you get to choose a candy bar, only the like, idiots would pick that. And I always hated the people that picked like Skittles or the fruity stuff. Right. I always okay. wanted to hit them with a shovel. I don't know why so violent. Why so mean? Yeah, really. You're accepted. You're fine. If you want to sing out, in hindsight, sing out. it's fine. Yeah. But back then, ooh, back then, don't get on my bad side. Yeah. Okay. And my Andy always picked, or John always picked Snickers. Yeah. And Andy always picked. And he always took eight hours to pick. <laughs> Any idiot who took Three Musketeers also is dead to me too. I love Three Musketeers. Don't get me wrong. I don't care for nougat. Oh, I love nougat. I, I like love nougat, nougat in the Snicker. Fill my bed with nougat, baby. But I don't baby. like nougat on its own with just chocolate. I want nougat all day. All right, what's next? I don't know if that's nougat. That's not what nougat is. Yeah, Three Musketeers is just nougat with chocolate on it. You no, know, the nougat is in Snickers, right? That's like the... it's in yes with caramel and peanuts and no, nougat. I think that. Three Musketeers is not nougat. Yes, there's it's other that's stuff. That's all nougat. It's, it's the whole thing is nougat. Now that word's starting to sound weird. Isn't so it? in Snickers, the white stuff is the nougat. Right? Yeah. No, it's not white. It's like chocolatey colored. No. Anyway, no. I'm correct. What are you doing? Three Musketeers. You're going to be... This is another one of those times. We've, we've had this conversation before, and... Another one of those it's times. Fluffy, it's not nougat. It's fluffy other stuff. Consisting of chocolate covered no, fluffy whipped mousse. Not nougat. It is nougat. That's not That's nougat. what nougat is. No. Look it up. What is nougat? Is there nougat in three musketeers? No. Yes. Look, light and fluffy nougat center wrapped in a delectable chocolate. No. Light and fluffy nougat center. That's a, a recently updated. No. 
No, that is nougat. Fluffy nougat here. center. I guess that is nougat. This is yet another time. I guess that is nougat, but it's a that different you kind owe of me. nougat. What is nougat? I'm waiting for my okay. what, apology. What is nougat? What is nougat? Okay, you're right. According to Wikipedia, nougat is a family of confections a, made with sugar or honey, roasted nuts, whipped egg whites, and sometimes chopped candied fruit. Wow, it's a family of confections made with sugar or honey, roasted nuts. So there's different kinds of nougat. Yes. Because you get of almond, walnut, pistachios, hazelnuts. That was behind my com- confusion. So I will officially apologize Thank for you. my nougat God, mistake. If you guys don't understand how rare Don't worry. This In about is a month and a half, I will have forgotten this whole conversation. Joe, and I will demand an apology and that she's wrong again. He will. He will. <laughs> And he and hey man, you ever see Groundhog he, Day? He never apologizes. Or what's that one where never. Drew Barrymore keeps forgetting she's on a date? All right, what's next? We got way off track. Hundred first dates. Matchbox cars were introduced in 1953. Oh, Henry loved those. That's our son. He likes cars. Mm-hmm. Matchbox cars and um, Hot Wheels. Hot Wheels are different. Or Hot Wheels, as they used to be. He as also it used called, to be pronounced in the 70s. He also called women's boobs wheels. Wheels. You have wheels. <laughs> yep. Uh, Orida mm-hmm. offered tater tots in grocery stores for the first time in 1953. Boy, that took off. They were simply just pressed leftovers from their French fry line. Could be one of your tots, Napoleon. They took all the leftovers, all the shit that nobody wants, Made pulled it, it out of the garbage. It used to be in the garbage. One day they pulled it out of the garbage and, and cooked them and sold them as tots. And now people love them. Yep. I always thought people like tots are idiots. You like tots? No, I don't like. Oh, tots. you're not a tot. I'm not a tot guy. That's I don't true. like hash browns either. I don't know why. You're crazy. What about that hash brown? I don't ca- hate. What about them. that cheesy potatoes like... your mom makes? That's those are an exception. We need to tell her to make that. She's not making. She that better get off time. her ass and make those. Her. We're going to visit. Listen her to your seventy year old woman. Get off your ass and make me some cheesy potatoes. Yeah, it's Christmas in July. All right, the word frenemies yeah. dates as far back as 1953. Oh, shit. Were we supposed to get people presents? No, we're not doing the present thing. Okay, good. Okay. The word frenemies dates as far back as 1953 when it appeared in print referring to U.S.-Soviet relations. Did you know that? Frenemies. Oh, no, I thought that was like a... Frenemies sounds like a 90s thing. It sounds like somebody... It sounds like something like Karen would say. Yeah, I think it sounds like something like Ross and Rachel said. Oh, friends. yeah, yeah. TV Guide began publication in 1953. Yeah. And originally, it was a porno. Did you know No, that? it wasn't. Okay, it was. First <laughs> musical synthesizer was invented by RCA in 1953. A and synthesizer? That, yeah, the first synthesizer, and that was made for porn. Boop, 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 boop. That wasn't 1953. That's Herbie Hancock. I know. (laughs) All right. Coca-Cola attempted to persuade the U.S. Treasury to mint a seven and a half cent coin in 1953 because a can of Coke had been a nickel since 1886 and needed to be raised due to inflation. But they felt like a dime was too expensive. So what'd they do? They wanted... They wanted the U.S. Treasury to mint a seven and a half cent coin because <laughs> that's what price they wanted to make their soda. And the U.S. Treasury was like, get fuck the fuck you. out of here. Fuck you. Fuck out of here with Seven that and a half cents. But Coca-Cola, they were so big. They, they're such yeah, a big they deal. Probably, they thought they could do that. Well, they had cocaine in their soda. I love cocaine. From <laughs> 1953 to 1958, the Cincinnati Reds officially changed their name to the Cincinnati Red Legs. What? Because they were afraid of being... Uh, confused with communism because they were the Reds. It was the Red Scare. Oh, jeez. So they changed them to the Red Legs. 
that's like because so, they couldn't do Red Sox because that was already probably a they thing. were already a Red Sox, yeah. Red legs, that's yeah. just stupid. That just sounds dumb. Arthur Holly Compton, do you know who that is? No. He was the Nobel Prize winning Chancellor of Washington University, Wash U. Yeah. He was irritated by how fast people were driving through campus. Mm-hmm. So to combat this, he designed the modern speed bump in 1953. Oh. No speed bumps till 1953. Baby. Wow. That is pretty funny. Like, so, can you imagine uh, the accidents that must have happened before they had speed bumps? People were flying. Yes. Of course, cars, I don't know how fast they went then, but... Think about it. if you want if you have a need for speed. And back then, if you flew over a speed bump in those cars that they made back then, oh, they the whole would thing fall would just apart, fall apart. Bro. Yeah. So think about this: if you have the need for speed and you happen to have a time machine, you're gonna want to go before, before 1953 because speed bumps. Yeah. I guess, but they probably weren't. They just started 1953. They yeah. probably weren't widespread till later. So you're probably 53 is probably safe. Also, 1953, Johnny Cash. Yeah. Heard a song called Crescent City Blues from Gordon Jenkins. Yeah. Probably a black fella. Uh, I think they're white. Because usually people. they steal But I, I watched the YouTube video. Of I think they're white people. In this oh. one. But he heard this song by Gordon Jenkins. I could be wrong. I should look up Gordon Jenkins. Um, and so he, he basically stole it. He heard the song yeah. later. He did Folsom Prison Blues that sounded just like Crescent City Blues. So we had to pay him a settlement of $75,000 later. That's kind of chintzy. Yeah. Let's look up Gordon Jenkins real quick. Gordon Jenkins. Yeah, he's a oh, he's guy. a white guy. He's a dumb white guy with a mustache. Anyway. Tell him how well. All radios manufactured in the U.S. between 1953 and 1963 had a little white triangle on the dial at 6.40 a.m. That is to indicate where civil defense information would be broadcast. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Like every piece of radio you have has an emergency thing in case you needed to listen to. I wonder why they took that away. Well, 1963, something else probably changed. Television, maybe they decided to put on television? Oh, maybe. Maybe they don't have just a dedicated channel. Or maybe, they, or maybe they have a different emergency situation. Maybe like they just out go out through all the channels. Yeah, it probably goes out through all. Uh, in 1953, the city of Niagara Falls bought a plot of land called Love Canal, not Love Canal, <laughs> from $1. For $1. They yeah. bought it for $1 from a chemical company, Hooker Chemical Company. Oh, boy. They had to change their name because they were confused with hookers, probably. It's now called Occidental Chemical Corporation. They had used that area as a dump. Despite warnings from the company, a school was built on that land. Oh, no. From 1974 to 78, 56% of children in the area were born with birth defects. Oh, no. That is terrible. That's awful. Since 1953, the government of Netherlands has sent Canada over a million tulip bulbs as a gift for Canada's part in the liberation of their country during World War II. Canada has since turned this into the world's largest tulip festival the Ottawa Tulip Fest. Have you ever seen those pictures of um, tulip fields in um, Holland? No, I've never oh, seen those pictures. They're, it's gorgeous. It's it just is. hills of these different colors. I bet nobody takes pictures of it after the tulips all died because tulips last five minutes. Five minutes. Yep, that's 30 true. 30 seconds. When I have tulips in our yard, they last a day. Yep, that's true. 
Fucking tulips. <laughs> Maybe other places they last longer, but fuck tulips. I'm on the record. Fuck tulips. I'm saying that forever. Yep. Fuck tulips, man. Waste of time. All right. <laughs> According to literature, literature is our category in this next one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> there was a limited edition, 200 signed and numbered. Yeah. Of Ray Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451. Oh, wow. I bet those are worth a pretty penny. Well, now. but listen, they were bound in asbestos. Oh, no. To prevent burning. Because people are burning bulbs. Oh. So where are they? But the thing is, you can still burn the pages. You just couldn't burn the cover, I guess. Yeah. That is dumb. Um, The copies are much sought after by collectors, though. But they're I guess so. Wow. Um, Here are the top ten. Top five. Top five television shows. Okay. Of 1953, according to Nielsen. Number one, I Love Lucy. Yes. CBS. Number two was Dragnet. Number three was Arthur Godfrey's Talent Scouts. Mm-hmm. I think I mentioned it a little bit, but I looked into it a little bit, and I think we mentioned it because uh, it was a, it was a radio and television variety show, which was on CBS from forty six to fifty eight, sponsored by Lipton Tea, starring Arthur Godfrey, who was sometimes introduced by his nickname, the Old Redhead. Uh, but this was the guy who I think we talked about this, but he had all he was on all kinds of shows, all kinds of different music warnings on radio is on tv mm-hmm. arthur godfrey time as talent scouts was another one but on this show he fired a guy on the air um it's the infamous infamous on-air firing of cast member julius la rosa in 1953 tainted his down-to-earth family man image and resulted in a marked decline in popularity which he was never able to regain oh i think he became an uh, so the an alcoholic and stuff. So the audience was against his side. Yeah. Now I watch. You can watch it. It's on YouTube. Yeah. It doesn't. It's not obvious that it wasn't already planned. Like it. He just said, "Oh, and this is his last day." But oh, is that what he did? Yeah. And the other guy kind of makes a face like, "Oh." Um. And this was a time where talent. The he got fired because he started trying to get an agent. And when people are unionizing, yes. they would fire him and stuff yep. like that. So you gotta keep um, the man down. Yeah. The man has to keep you down. And so he would, he would like check with other competitors and look at Ed Sullivan and stuff like that. So that was, yeah. Anyway, so you can see that online. Look that up and his on-air firing. You wouldn't, I wouldn't have known watching it that he fired him. Like it sounds. Like What's the guy's name again? Arthur Godfrey. Okay. Talent scouts and it's Julius. He fired Julius. What did I say? I don't remember. La Rosa. Okay. Uh, and he had no idea it was being fired that day. But he was like, and this, this is his swan song. This is his last show. Oh, my. And the fourth best show was You Bet Your Life, mm-hmm. hosted by Groucho Marx. Okay. And that was like a quiz show that, um, and there was one episode where it was controversial and they had to cut it. Out a line Groucho supposedly said. He later denied he said it, but uh, there was somebody on there, a contestant had 17 or 20 children. He Mm -hmm. was interviewing a lady who had 20 children. Jesus. And he he asked why she had such a large family, and she said, I love my husband. And then Groucho responded, I love my cigar, but I take it out of my mouth once in a while. (laughs) 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 Yeah, so that was too risque to be aired, so they had to cut that out. 
Oh my God, that's fabulous! <laughs> is that great? I guess it sounds dirty when you say it out loud. When I was reading it, it didn't sound that dirty. But and then the Milton Berle show is number five. <laughs> and that that's all for the things that don't really have dates. Dates, just right? Okay. Now we're going to jump into the year, January first, nineteen fifty-three. Are we ready? Yes, let's ready do to it. Do this. Yep. Let's get on board the nineteen fifty-three train, y'all. All right. What's first? January first, nineteen fifty-three was a Thursday. Hank Williams died. Oh, okay. He was born in 1923. He was an American singer, songwriter, and musician. That's right. Regarded as one of the most significant and influential American singers and songwriters of the 20th century. He recorded 35 singles. Five were released posthumously Mm -hmm. that reached the top 10 of the Billboard Country and Western bestsellers chart. I I don't think I could name a Hank Williams song. I can't song. either. They're all like old school country. Yeah. I don't know any. The only thing I know about him, honestly, is that he's Hank Williams Jr.'s dad. Yeah, that's and right. And I only know him because he was Monday Night Football. I hated country music mm-hmm. as a passion and a, with a passion as a kid, and I still don't much care for it. Right. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he was born and raised in Alabama. He was given guitar lessons by African American blues musician Rufus Payne in exchange for meals or money. So again, uh, even yeah. our even our biggest country stars, black people taught them how to do their thing. That's right. So it's like all music is black people's music. That's right. And so thank you, black people. Payne, along with Roy Acuff and Ernest Tubb, had a major influence on Williams' later musical style. Williams began his music career in Montgomery in 1937, where producers at, at local radio station WSFA hired him to perform and host a 15-minute program. He formed the Drifting Cowboys backup band, which was managed by his mother, and he dropped out of school to devote his time to his career. When several of his band members were drafted during World War II, he had trouble with their replacements, and WSFA terminated his contract because of his alcoholism. Oh, yeah, I'll do it. Yep. He married singer Audrey Shepard, who was his manager for nearly a decade, and you know, all kinds of songs we've never heard of. Mm-hmm. Uh, he joined the Grand Ole Opry. But he was unable to read or notate music to any significant degree. Uh, so among the hits he wrote were Your Cheatin' Heart. Yeah, hey, I know that one. Hey, Good Looking. Yeah, I know that one. I'm So Lonesome I Could Cry. Hey, good looking, what you got cooking? Is that the How one? about cooking something up with me? Is that country? Yeah. I know that song, I guess. Yeah. So years of back pain, alcoholism, and prescription drug abuse severely compromised his health. In 1952, he divorced Shepard and married singer Billie Jean Horton. He was dismissed by the Grand Ole Opry because of his unreliability and alcoholism. On New Year's Day 1953, he suffered from heart failure and died suddenly at the age of 29 in Oak Hill, West Virginia. Despite his relatively brief... He was 29? Yeah. Jesus. I didn't know that. Yeah, his brief career, he's one of the most celebrated and influential musicians of the 20th century, Mm -hmm. especially in country music. Yeah. Many artists have covered his songs, such and and he has influenced Elvis Presley, Johnny Cash, Chuck Berry, Jerry Lee Lewis, George Jones, George Strait, Charlie Pride, and the Rolling Stones, among others. Yeah, he was inducted in the Country Music Hall of Fame in 1961, Songwriters Hall of Fame in 1970, and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1987. Okay, and there's other stuff he's done and gotten, and other things. That's probably sufficient. Yeah, we don't have to. We don't need Talk to go all the details of how when they found him dead and all that. Um, oh wait, no, this is why I kept it in. It's pretty good because he was driving. Yeah. 
Yeah, this is kind of creepy. So he 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 was scheduled to perform at Municipal Auditorium in Charleston, West Virginia, mm-hmm. on New Year's Eve. Uh, but he couldn't fly because of an ice storm in Nashville. So he hired a college student, Charles Carr, to drive him to the concerts. Yeah. Uh, Carr called Charleston Auditorium from Knoxville to say Williams would not arrive on time because of the ice storm and was instead ordered to drive him to Canton, Ohio, for a New Year's Day concert there. Mm-hmm. The two arrived at the Andrew Jackson Hotel in Knoxville, Tennessee. Carr requested a doctor for Williams, who was affected by the combination of the coral hydrate and alcohol he had drunk on the way to Knoxville. Dr. P.H. Cardwell injected Williams with two shots of vitamin vitamin B12 that also contained a quarter grain of morphine. Carr and Williams checked out of the hotel, but the porters had to carry Williams to the car as he was coughing and hiccuping. Mm-hmm. Around midnight on January 1st, 1953, when the two crossed the Tennessee state line and arrived in Bristol, Virginia, Carr stopped at a small all-night restaurant and asked Williams if he wanted to eat. Williams said he did not, and those are believed to be his last words. Hmm. Carr later drove on until he stopped for fuel at a gas station in Oak Hill, West Virginia, where he realized that Williams had been dead for so long that rigor mortis had already set in. Oh, my gosh. Yes. The station's owner called the local police chief, and Williams Cadillac, the police, found some empty beer cans and unfinished handwritten lyrics. Uh, Dr. Ivan Malinin performed the autopsy. God, that's so sad. I didn't know he was that young. Yeah, he found hemorrhages in the heart and neck and pronounced the cause of death insufficiency of the right ventricle of the heart. Wow. But he also wrote that Williams had been severely beaten and kicked in the groin recently. And local magistrate Virgil F. Lyons ordered an inquest into his death concerning a welt that was visible on his head. Whoa. Yeah. But that's all I read. That I was guess. it? Yeah. There's I don't know. I guess they must that? not have found anything, I guess, because that would have been. Yeah. I guess. Um, and his funeral was the largest to have ever been held in Alabama. Okay. Montgomery. Anyway. And then January 3rd, Frances Bolton and her son Oliver from Ohio become the first mother and son to serve simultaneously in the U.S. Congress. Oh. Yeah. That's special. Two congressmen. The Republicans, they're both rich white people. And then January 5th, 1953, Samuel Beckett's play Waiting for Godot. Yes. At its first public stage premiere. Never been a fan. In Paris. Myself. Yeah. That's a Whatever. It's all right. I like waiting for Guffman better. Yeah, I do too. January 7th, 1953, U.S. President Harry S. Truman announced the U.S. had developed a hydrogen bomb. Oh, boy. January 9th, 1953 was a Friday. Bevo Francis from Rio Grande College scored 116 points in a basketball game. That's a lot, huh? That's a lot of fucking points. Yeah. yeah. It's unbelievable. This guy was pretty tall. He was like six foot nine. Uh, but there was some controversy about this, and ES—I mean, I guess NCAA doesn't even recognize this anymore mm-hmm. as an official because the Rio Grande College—they would—they would play against a bunch of shitty teams, like a bunch of shitty schools with barely any people or something. So they oh. run up the score a lot, I guess. But yeah, so look that guy up if you're interested in that because I don't really care that much about it. No, me neither. I know you don't. That's why I Me that. neither. I got that guy's whole life and career oh, and his Jesus. family background. I'm going to skip it. Thank you. In the interest of time. Lovely. Wednesday, January 14th, 1953, the CIA-sponsored Robertson panel first met to discuss the UFO phenomenon. Remember I said Ooh. the Robertson panel because of all those, yeah. those DC sightings? Right. This is the first time they met. 
UFOs are real. And that brings us to January 15th was a Thursday, 1953. And you're going to tell us about a horrible, awful crash. Yes. Um, I'm going to mix it up, mix the things up a little bit this week. And I'm going to talk about a a train crash. Well, you talk about it, babe. As long as it's unpleasant, you'll talk about it. Yeah. This is the Pennsylvania Railroad train wreck. Pennsylvania Railroad train wreck. So the Federal Express number 173 was a southbound Boston to Washington, D.C. overnight train. Okay. And it was carrying mail and passengers. Okay, mail and passengers, not to be confused with mail passengers. Right. When the train arrived in New Haven, a new, a new Haven electric locomotive replaced the diesel, along with adding several passenger cars from Springfield for the run to New York's Penn Station, where another locomotive was coupled on. So far, nothing sounds suspicious to me. So the the train had 16 coaches and Pullman sleeping cars. Those are those ones with all the windows around. Pullman sleeping cars. I didn't know they were called Pullman. Yeah. The manufacturer. Yeah. Right. So then they departed Boston at 11 o'clock p.m. Boston. Where everybody says pocket car. They made two stops. Then they halted at Kingston, Rhode Island, about 70 miles south of Boston. Here's a here's a Boston stereotype that I should probably let go, but I have a... If you, if you tell me you're from Boston, I assume that you have red hair and your skin is bright red and sunburnt. And hey. you say, park the car. I don't know. That's I think I saw one guy from Boston one time. And that's just that, what's in your head. At, you know, like in Florida somewhere, like some vacation. He was from Boston. He was real obnoxious and he had a Patriot shirt on. He Don't like let a, that. Sorry, all, you to every all other Boston. I mean, Boston. I watched the whole thing of Cheers nine episodes. You know, there was hardly ever any red haired, sunburnt guys. Okay. I don't know about why. That's why I have a picture. So they departed Boston at 11 o'clock p.m. I already said that. So then they made two stops. Then they halted at Kingston, Rhode Island, about 70 miles south of Boston. Okay. The brakes were sticking. Uh oh. And so they inspected it for about 45 minutes. Yeah, that's a sufficient time to inspect sticky brakes, I would say. And what they discovered was a closed angle cock, which is a shutoff valve. So I was not expecting and it was at the... a closed angle cock. What yep. did you call it? An angle, angle cock. cock. I was expecting uh, maple syrup to be the issue. They just like wash it and it'll be fine. No. Um, this was at the so rear of the cock. third car. Rear of the third car had a closed angle cock. And so the air brake system aboard the rail cars had angle cocks at each end of each car. So angle cocks are normal. And both valves had to be open for the air braking system to operate. Okay, yeah, because it's air. The only closed valve would be at the very rear of the final car. Yeah, because yeah, it's got to stop somewhere. Yeah, because right? air brakes on trains are powered by a compressed air tank aboard each car. Oh. If the cars separate from one another or yeah. from the engine, the pressure automatically drops and the cars will break to a stop. Oh, okay, that's how they work, huh? Yeah. I never uh, really gave that much thought. Closing an angle cock at any point along the system keeps the air pressure in the air brakes high and then that prevents the engine from reducing the air pressure and activating the braking system oh okay angle cock so a routine inspection during the train stop in new york city inspectors later said found the angle cock was correct in the open position that's a nice angle cock the angle cock's all good but is the angle cock throbbing Stop it. Sorry. But an after-accident investigation by yeah. the ICC revealed that the handle of the angle cock at the rear of the third coach was not in the correct position. Oh, so somebody So this meant that the engine could only activate the braking power of the first three coaches. Oh. 
So the the Federal the Express, but so go back gotcha. to before the accident. So they okay. don't know that right now. Back to the yeah. Federal Express. All they know is the Englecox open. The Englecox open. Yep. They departed New York City at 4.38 a.m. And they made its regularly scheduled stop at Philadelphia, Wilmington, Delaware, Baltimore. No breaking troubles were reported at those stops. No breaking troubles. It departed Baltimore at 7.50 a.m. And Baltimore was the train's last stop before arriving at Union Station, which was its final destination. Final destination. After leaving Baltimore, train accelerated to 80 miles an hour, which is its normal speed. Right. As it neared Landover, Maryland, engineer Henry W. Brower tried to slow the train for its approach into Washington. Normal thing to do. He's but, not a bad guy. But the train slowed to just 60 miles an hour. Uh-oh. So then he activated the emergency brakes, but the train only slowed to 50 miles an hour. Uh-oh. So then he puts the engine in reverse. Oh, that's a smart move. But the electric engine began malfunctioning due to the stress placed on it, oh, which no. I think that... Yeah, flipping something to reverse. Putting something in reverse. Is this guy insane? I guess he was panicking. Well, you got to do something if He's it's panicking. not going to stop. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sparks then start issuing from the wheels of the engines of the first three coaches as they try to slow the train. So then the Federal Express starts descending a 5,500-foot-long section of track on this really steep grade. Okay? So yeah. it's going downhill pretty steep. This causes the train to accelerate because it's going downhill. Right. So Brower began making the railroad's distress signal on the engine's air horn. Okay. So then in the train yard at Union Station, tower man John Feeney and K-Tower set the switches to shunt the Federal Express then onto a different track. Okay. Uh, but when the train raced past him at high speed, yeah. he he telephoned to the station master's office. So then clerk Ray telephone. Klopp picked up the phone, and then Feeney shouted, Runway on track 16! Klopp looked up to see the train racing directly toward his office. What's the guy's name? Roy Clock? Mm-hmm, Roy Klopp. Roy Klopp? Yeah. Roy. So Roy Klopp's got a train coming right at him. Right office. at him. Poor Roy Klopp. So he shouts, run for your lives. And then he and all oh, the other shit. clerks run, run out of the office as fast lives. as they could. Fucking run for your fucking lives. They had just 20 seconds to get out of the way. That's not a long time to get out of his way of a speeding train. Poor Roy Klopp. And so, meanwhile, aboard the train, the conductor, Thomas J. Murphy, is running through the train from end to end, shouting at the passengers to get down. Shut up. Let me tell the story. Get down as low as they can on the floor on their seats. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So. This is scary. Passengers aboard the train knew something was wrong pretty early on because the train would normally be moving very slowly as it passed beneath Florida Avenue. But this time, it rushed past the bridge. Oh, my God. The Federal Express was still moving at about 40 miles, 45 miles an hour when it was 1,000 feet from the terminal. It had slowed to just 35 miles an hour when it struck the bumper, which is like the steel thing at the end of the track. Okay. The train crashes through the buffer stop. Yep. Then through the station master's office. Oh. And then demolished a newsstand. Oh, my gosh. So I want to wonder, why would you put the office right at the end of a track? Then it started skidding to its right. And then it also destroyed a steel pillar in the concourse and tore through the concourse's concrete floor, which was six inches higher than the tracks outside. The floor 
then, not designed to hold the weight of a train, oh, gave no. way Holy beneath shit. the 475,000-pound locomotive. Oh, my God. And the rear- How, how many pounds? 475,000 pounds. Really? And the rear of the engine plunged into the baggage and mail rooms in the basement below. Holy shit. Two coaches came loose from the engine and the rest of the train, and one of them slid onto the concourse to the right of the engine, coming Ugh. to rest almost abreast of it. The oh other God. one nosed downward behind the engine into the gigantic hole in the concourse floor. Six more coach cars jumped the tracks behind the train. Holy crap. The engine was just inches from smashing into the crowded waiting room beyond the concourse. Oh, my God. I could have killed so many more people. A Life magazine photo showed the nose of the engine just pushing open the doors to the waiting room. Holy Amazingly. Crap. Can you imagine being in that waiting room and seeing that thing come at you? Seriously. And then just stop? Amazingly, no one died. Are you fucking kidding me? No one died during this accident. Not even Roy Klopp? Only 43 people were injured, six seriously enough to require overnight hospitalization. Holy shit. How is that possible? Well, most of the workers in the basement had just left to, for their coffee break. Oh, if they had left, saved they would their lives. Been dead, yeah. And four Union Station workers were briefly trapped in the wreckage, but quickly extricated. Wow. The engineer had no injuries, and the fireman received only scratches. Both men climbed out of the engine under their own power. What? Yeah. That, were people just tougher back then, or what? Uh, yeah, I would say. The station yeah, master's clock, which was found in the wreckage, showed the time at 8.38 a.m. So the All because of a broken shuttlecock. Uh, Anglecock. Same thing. NBC News was able to broadcast live from Union Station just 67 minutes after the wreck really? occurred. They this got... was, for the time, one of the fastest live nationwide broadcasts oh, ever would, made. Yeah, it's just like, go, 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 turn it on, yeah. So the the train service was delayed, but it wasn't canceled despite the extensive damage. I don't know how. What? As the incident occurred just five days before the inauguration of Dwight Eisenhower oh, yeah. Yeah, as yeah. the 34th We're president of the United States. Yeah. It was decided to make temporary repairs to accommodate the expected crowds. So they worked round the clock. The derailed cars were removed. The engine lowered into the basement. And Steiner Construction erected a temporary wooden floor over the hole in the concourse and covered it with quick-drying asphalt in just two days. You said erect an asphalt. The workers also built a temporary station master's office and newsstand in time for the crowds coming into D.C. Wow. And the... PRR forty eight seventy six, which was the oh the PRR forty eight seventy six and locomotive. I think it was later dismantled and shipped back to the Pennsylvania Railroad's main shop complex, yeah. where it was rebuilt. It remained in service for the next thirty years. What the engine is currently wow. in storage at the Baltimore and Ohio Railroad Museum in Baltimore. Well, it's not the engine's fault; it's just that show. And the last little note: it the wreck of the Federal Express later inspired a similar scene in the nineteen seventy six movie. Uh, Rocky? No. Nineteen seventy six. Train wreck. Train crash. Movie with a train crash. Uh, you do, do this to me all the do time. Do I know it? Will yeah, I know it. Yeah, I would know it. I'm bad. I'm bad. Oh, I'm bad. Yeah, Rocky, right? Silver Streak. Oh, I, I don't think I ever saw Silver Streak. You've never seen. Oh, is that one of the ones with Gene the Richard Wilder Pryor and Richard Pryor? You've never seen no, that. No, I saw. Um, the other ones with them, but I never saw Silver. I oh, saw Silver uh, Streak is great. What's the other ones with those guys? There's like three of them. Yeah. Um, Silver, Silver Streak is the isn't that the sequel or is that the original? That's the original. Gene yeah, I don't know Silver Streak. Wilder I think I saw 
Um, it's on the tip of my tongue. Stir crazy. Stir crazy is the one I saw. Yeah, you've got to see Silver Streak. Yeah, Richard Pryor was great, and so was Gene Wilder. I should have watched it. It's a great movie. I probably saw Silver Streak. I think it might be a little problematic in a few places, but given the... No, Richard Pryor had sex with Marlon Brando. Richard Pryor was very ahead of his time. Um, He had like a kind of a postmodern look at racism, I think. Yeah, he really did. You know, he was really in your face about it, and I think it's hard. I think some modern audiences might be dead honky a little bit yeah snl yeah yeah well is that your whole thing that's it that's the train crash that's a fucked up crash no wonder you did it i was wondering why you would agree to that but it's pretty eventful pretty good all right we'll finish up now yes ready we got a birthday i just got a couple things okay we got one birthday january 18th Dr. Basant Kumar Misra is born, a neurosurgeon specializing in treating brain, spine, cerebrovascular, and peripheral nervous system disorders, injuries, pathologies, and malformations. He's the vice president of the World Federation of Neurosurgical Societies and the former president of the Asian, Australasian Society of Neurological Surgeons and the Neurological Society of India. Why are we talking about him? Because he's the recipient of the doctor. Dr. B.C. Roy Award, the highest medical honor in India. Oh, jeez. All right. He was on. born in Bhubaneswar. This is lovely, but to it does economist, I Dr. am not Bader interested. Misra and Mrs. Basanti Misra, a homemaker. We had to get a birthday in there, okay? And it's that the was the birthday. only thing you could find. The only thing I could find. January 19th, 1953 was a Monday. 71% of all television sets in the U.S. were tuned to CBS to watch Lucy give birth to little Ricky. And they um, and they graphically Lucy. showed her poop on the table. They show the poop coming out of her butt, but they wouldn't say pregnancy. Right, and they, they wouldn't did, let they, him sleep in the same yeah, bed. Yeah, they show the, the whole thing. The whole episode was just a graphic crotch birth. shot the whole time. A graphic yeah. thing and and just endless amounts of afterbirth and poop coming out of her. All right. <laughs> January and That's then and the next day, Dwight D. Eisenhower was sworn in as thirty fourth president of the U.S. That's right. January twentieth, nineteen fifty three, was a Tuesday. And this telecast was transmitted to Canada from Buffalo, New York. It was the first live U.S. coast-to-coast inauguration address uh, that they. And then uh, Wednesday, January 21st, nothing happened. And then Thursday, January 22nd, The Crucible, a drama by Arthur Miller, mm-hmm. opened on Broadway. Yep. January 23rd. I was in that. I played you were in again. that one in 1953? No. In... No, in high school I was in it. Oh. I played it, the main character. You're beautiful. You're very great at acting. January 23rd, the NFL Dallas Texans became the Baltimore Colts. They're now the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, and they, the NFL's National and American Conference became their Eastern and Western Conferences. Okay. January 28th, 1953 was a Wednesday. Derek Bentley was executed for murder at Wandsworth Prison in London. We talked about him. Yes, we did. January 9th, 1950, 29th, 1953 was a Thursday. We have another birthday. Taiwanese singer Teresa Tang was born. Okay. Her career spanned 30 no, years. No, we're done. Okay, we're not, you're not doing that. She's a Taiwanese singer. Uh, anyway, her song's been covered by hundreds of singers all over the world. I think it's time to get out of here, Chuck. That's the last thing Barry. I And it's time to get out of here. We'll come back next episode. This has been episode 160. Woo! Thank you for listening, Time Heads. Yeah, that, everybody knows the 160th episode is where get your tits listeners out. get their tits out wherever you are. 
Men <laughs> and women, you are, and whoever you are. you are, whatever you are, whatever you identify as, get what could be closest res- to resemble tits in your existence. Get them out. Get them out. All right. Wherever you are. Thanks for listening, people. For, thanks for listening. Thanks for still listening to yeah, this. Yeah, we care about bullshit. you. We There's a people listening. We're not sure why, but we keep on it. doing it. We're we glad you it. are. Yep. We'll send you some cheese. Maybe. Fomunda cheese. Yeah, Fomunda what? <laughs> Fomunda Dale? Let Dale through. Ego Trip is the greatest band of all time by their music.